Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. All right. Those kids looked like they were having fun, didn't they? That was cool. I I understand there were like 30 kids or so that went, and uh, three of them ended up giving their lives to Christ. So, woohoo! Go Vine Kids. All right. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, if you don't know. But um, we're going to start a new series this morning. But let me ask you this, okay? Who in here has a pet name or has a pet name for perhaps your you know, your spouse or your significant other or something. Come on, you know the ones I mean. Puppy Wuppy, Loveykins. Come on, shut them out. Come on. Embarrass your spouse. Go for it. <laughs> we have some great ones out there. Lammy Chop, you know. There's some great stuff out there. There's, you know, guys, we have names for each other as well. There's, there's names guys call each other, right? Yo, bro. And, uh, you know, dude. What's up, dude? Because uh, I, I love guy names. And uh, I lived in Puerto Rico for a while, and, and it's great because it's all the same guy names. Of course, they're just in Spanish. So it's Ese and Chico and Chach and, and all of that, right? But my staff where, where I work, uh, they gave me a name too in Spanish. And I said, wow, that's, that's nice, you guys. What does that mean? And they said, it means really cool. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. So I lived my time there and everything. Later on, I come to find out, yeah, it means that in Mexican Spanish. It means something totally different in Puerto Rican Spanish. So, uh, yeah, we won't be using that name this morning. So, uh, but we have these names for each other because it defines our relationship in the moment with each other, right? It tells us who you are to me and who I am to you in that moment. And we're going to start this new series, and it's on the names of God. And, and the reason we're doing it is because he has so many names. He has this plethora of names, and each one of them describes a different part of his character. It's like a different facet of who God is. And it's, you know, it's the same way we call each other different names when we're the same person, but it depends on the context, right? If I hear, honey, can you come out to the kitchen? I know I'm about to either taste something really wonderful that my wife has made or, or perhaps that she needs help getting a soup can off the top shelf or something, which is entirely different than if I hear, Brian, come to the kitchen. <laughs> then I know that she now knows that I forgot to take out the trash. So, you know, and most of the times when we need God, when we're, when we're calling upon God, when we're We want to get his attention. It's a very specific kind of thing, isn't it? And and just like we have, you know, friends that we call for some things and friends that we call for other things, because it's a very specific need, we have a way to get more specific with God. And so I hope the point of this series is to absolutely to strengthen and deepen our relationship with God and and find out new things about him. And, and you know, you may find that the God you're searching for 
has been here all along. You just didn't know his name yet. And so by the end of today, we're actually going to put some of this in practice. We're going to call out to God using uh, the name we, we find out this morning. And uh, we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to start with the very first name of God that we find in the Bible. It takes us no longer than the second word of the Bible to find this. And the name that we're going to explore this morning is Elohim. Elohim God. And so we're going to be in Genesis 1. That would be page 1 of your Bible. <laughs> Real easy to find. And um, Stevie, can you put the scripture up and we'll get it? Okay, so that's not going to work, right? So this helps me know if you're going, what, God has different names, what? Uh, it's because the Bible was originally, originally written Old Testament in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. And when it gets translated into English, most of the time, the name of God just gets simplified to God, Lord God, Lord. Sometimes you hear God most high, but you don't hear all of these wonderful connotations of the different parts of his character. So this morning, what I'd like to do is we're going to kind of split the difference between the original Hebrew, which I can't read, <laughs> And, uh, and the English that loses all of this, and we're going to split the difference. So if you want to put that one up, Stevie, that would be great. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of Elohim was hovering over the surface of the waters. Father God, Father God, and, and, and even that is a name for you in Father but. Elohim, this morning we appeal to you, teach us more about yourself, Lord. Just, just teach us more of your character. Teach us how to call on you. Teach us how much you want to know us and how much we can know about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So your first fill-in, if you're tracking along, is this. Elohim is creator. Elohim is creator. And Elohim actually means strong creator. It's used 31 times in the first chapter of Genesis, which means almost once per verse in this book. Um, it's used over 2,500 times in the Bible. But here's the interesting thing, is although it means creator, it is never, ever, ever applied to any man. This term doesn't go with man. And now I know there's a lot of you sitting in here this morning who are very creative. I've heard songs you've written. I've seen artwork that you've done. I've heard about how you do things in your business that are different from the, the rest of the business world. That takes a special kind of creativity too. But none of you can create the way God can create. Because Elohim can create out of nothing. Elohim used no raw material whatsoever. He merely spoke things into existence. And so whether we are talking about this guy, which uh, I think we have a slide. This is an electron microscope picture of a virus. It is the smallest living thing on earth. It still works. And yet for some perspective, 150,000 of these guys will sit on the tip of a human hair. That's small. Or we go the other way. We're talking about this. Check this out. 
This is an immensely big view of things. These celestial bodies of galaxies and planets and nebulae and things I don't even know the name of and astrophysicists love to look at. It's just absolutely bigger than probably most of us can even wrap our head or our imagination around. No matter which of these things we're talking about, Elohim started with this. Nothing. He started with absolutely nothing, and he spoke it into existence. And I'll tell you what, we could, oh man, we could put slides up here all mornings of beautiful things, and we could marvel at the complexity and beauty of God's creation. It is just fantastic. I know last night we're sitting at dinner and uh, on the beach in Surfside, and there was this great thunderstorm, and there was a double rainbow. And you just go, wow, that's Elohim, creator God. That's absolutely magnificent. Man in his wildest imagination could not do that. And we could talk a lot about that this morning. Well, we could talk about some of the fantastic things about the way that he made you. Anybody know what RNA is? Okay. In every cell of every living thing, there are instructions for that cell to work. It's, it's incredible. It's life all over the planet has RNA. And RNA is a chemical, all right? Now, the odds, I looked this up, the odds of that chemical just randomly, spontaneously generating and coming about on the earth are four to the 300th power to one. If that doesn't give you goosebumps, (laughs) I don't know what does. But we're not going to do that this morning. And we're not going to do that this morning because I want you to understand something. I don't want you to miss what he's doing here in Genesis 1. I don't want you you know, Elohim is up to something in Genesis 1. And he is not merely zapping things into existence. He's not. There is way more going on. If you read through Genesis 1, you see light is separated from darkness and both now have a purpose and a name. Formlessness is separated into the sky and the earth and both of them are going to have a purpose. The waters are gathered up into seas and the dry land is gathered together. Both have a name and a purpose. Elohim signs his work. He absolutely signs his work. And his maker's mark is not the complexity of it or the magnificent beauty of it. Elohim signs his work with its purpose. You and I are no different. And he signs his work in us with our purposes. And there's something that we have It's called the Imago Dei. That's the maker's mark that Elohim God puts on each and every one of us. And in that Imago Dei is not just a representation of him. In that Imago Dei is is a clue to our purposes. And if we ever want to understand how and why and What for we are put on this planet, we have to understand Elohim is a creator God and Elohim is the creator of us. 
And as soon as we can see that he is not randomly zapping things into existence on some planet-sized terrarium, we can begin to go deeper, deeper with our Creator and get a much better sense of who we are and why we're here. Elohim does all of this with a purpose and a plan. And as soon as we realize that, we can begin to see another aspect of Elohim. And this is your second fill-in. Your second fill-in is this. Elohim is restorer. Elohim is restorer. Verse 2 of Genesis says this. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. <clears throat> and I love, I even pulled this up in the message version. It's, it's just a little different. It goes this much farther. It says, earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness and inky blackness, a soup of nothingness. That is probably not where I would be, pick to build a planet, <laughs> Right? I mean, I would want to give myself a little better odds than uh, a soup of nothingness, an inky blackness, a bottomless emptiness, right? And I love science. I believe science and, and what we believe and what the Bible teaches only get closer together every day. It's more of, you know, science tells us how God did what he did. But for a long time, science has tried to tell us that, yes, in the beginning, there was this wonderful primordial ooze. And it's all of these nutrients and great, wonderful things. Yeah, the book says soup of nothingness. <laughs> I'm just saying. And that's because this is God's purpose that we're talking about, not our understanding as man. Some translators go so far as to say that those words formless and void would be better translated by these words, garbage dump, waste pile. And so suddenly we have this picture of pre-creation that, that looks like this, but it's really this, this pile of every possible possibility happening all at the same time. Does that not blow your mind about God? He looked at everything that ever will happen your life, my life, every possible situation, looked at it all happening all at the same time, and he says, now I'm going to work. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And so he goes to, to work with this plan and this purpose, and he sets, he sets about to restoring this dump and to begin separating its purposes. And out of this mess, he turns it into the miracle of creation. He turns a mess into a miracle. It's God's character to restore. It's what he does. It's who he is. At every step, he restores this chaos, this everything going on at once, and he steps in and he begins to restore order. Inky blackness is restored to light. Formless waters are restored into mighty oceans. Mighty oceans are parted to reveal majestic mountains. Formless dirt is breathed on and restored into a life in Adam. At every point, Elohim 
restores. Imagine a God. Imagine a God who defines himself by what he restores. Hmm? Imagine a God like that. Do you know him as Elohim restorer? Do you know him like that? Can you imagine what a God who identifies himself as the God who creates and restores? Imagine what he can do in your life. It's Elohim. That's Elohim. And he's not done. He is not by any means done. He's not done in this story, and he is not done in your life. But let's look. Let's look at what he does at this point in the story, the tail end of of the first part of Genesis on into the beginning of chapter 2. It says, Elohim saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, Elohim had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then Elohim blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. If Elohim can say, it's all good, it's all good. Yeah? And you can't get any doneer than done, right? <laughs> done is done. But as I said, he's not, he's not done creating. Because before he rests, he looks about and he says, okay, what have, what have I done here? What, what have I set in motion? What have I restored to order and he's able to see that he's created a water cycle where water evaporates from the oceans, goes into the clouds, and then falls again as rain, and that will continue on into perpetuity. That plants are able to recreate and reproduce themselves by a number of ways, seeds, spores, you know, propagation, however, but that will continue into perpetuity. He looks and he says, you know what? I needed to create creativity, in people, I needed to put ideas and concepts, and I've, I've put that, I've built that in demand because a lot, everything that we have, everything we can dream, everything we can think about, everything we can imagine, we can because it was originally in God. And that's what that Imago Day means. He says, there's one thing, there's one more thing that I want to give my creation. And that's this, and it's your third fill-in. Elohim is rest. Elohim is rest. I don't know about you, but I am a busy person. And uh, I know a lot of you are the same way, and, and I have watched me strive after something and work really hard to get something and go to work every single day just trying to wring out everything. And I will tell you what, I will put the to-do list I can make up against anybody in this room. And I know some of you, you make some doggone good to-do lists too. But push. And I dream big and I drive hard to go after it. And I know there's a lot of people in this room 
that do the same. And for the longest time, it seems like you just can't get done. You just can't finish. And even when you finish, you say, well, I finished that so that I can start the next thing, right? Listen to Psalm 127. Psalm 127 says this. It says, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. For he grants sleep to those that he loves. Now, if you're tired, it's not because God doesn't love you. (laughs) Okay? That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you can wear yourself out doing any number of things. When you try to take the place of Elohim creator, you will wear yourself out. When you strive after something that God never talked to you about, that Elohim never said, I want to restore this in your life, you will wear yourself out. But when you know him and you have a sense of your purposes and that's what you spend your life working on, he says, now I got rest for you. Now I got rest for you. You hear at the vineyard, you'll hear us talk an awful lot about seeing what God is doing and getting in behind him to do what he's doing. And when we do that, then we're working according to his purposes. And our purpose matches his purpose. And it's not that we won't work hard. We will work hard. We will always work hard. And there is nothing wrong with hard work. It is a good, godly, and righteous endeavor to work. Don't ever let anybody tell you different. But when we work for God's purposes, at the end of it, we get to rest good too. And you can go home at the end of the night and put your head on the pillow and go, okay, I did what God asked. I can sleep. I can rest. And I'm excited to get up and do it all over again tomorrow. You know, Adam, Adam is such an amazing story. We go through and we think, God created this, God created that, God created this, God created Adam. Okay, God sits down and says, y'all take the ball. That's not what God was saying. That's not what he was doing at all. I love what he did in Adam. You realize he did all of the work, all of the heavy lifting for six days. Makes the place habitable, says, I know what I'm doing. I'm looking at this plethora of every possible possibility, and eventually I'm going to put man here because I love him. But first I'm going to make the place as wonderful as I possibly can. And so all the plants and all the animals and everything's already here. And right before, which I don't know how long right before is in God's time. It's either (laughs) an eternity or right before. Right before he sits down to rest, he says, okay, now I'll make Adam. And he sets Adam down in the middle of it, and he says, okay, Adam, first job, first day, spend time with me. I'm taking the day off. I'm taking the day off to spend it with you. That's how much God loves us. That's how... That's what Elohim created for us to know. To know that we have a place and a purpose and a rest in him that we can't find anywhere else. 
There was a, a Chinese evangelist in the, in the 1920s that, that put it this way. His name's Watchman Nee, but he said, God's seventh day was in fact Adam's first. God works before he rests. Well, man must enter into God's rest. Then alone he can work. Adam, come sit in my presence. Come be still and know that I'm Elohim. Come be still and know that I'm Elohim restorer. Then we'll do this life thing. So this morning, we know, no, Elohim, the first name we encounter in the Bible means strong creator. Strong creator. There's nothing was or is or ever will be or ever has been that was not created by him, including creativity. Elohim is a restorer. It's his nature. It's what he does when he sees chaos. He restores it to order. And in Elohim, there's rest. In him, there's rest. And we talked a lot about purpose this morning. We talked a lot about God's purposes this morning. And I, wanna, I want us to... This, if we can put this up, this is a 1996 Jaguar XJS. It is certainly not my Jaguar XJS. <laughs> In 1996, Ford Motor Company bought Jaguar with the purposes of making them in this country. And they started to try to make them, and they wouldn't work. The cars would not work. So they phoned up Jaguar, and they said, hey, you know, maybe you guys can give us a few tips, and, uh, and we'll take it from there, and we'll remachine what we have to do here, and we got this, right? must just be one of those metric conversion things. And they tried to make the cars, and the cars didn't work. And eventually, Ford Motor Company, giant that it is, had to bring the Jaguar engineers here to Detroit and help them get them to help the Ford engineers understand the original design of the car. And once they got through to the original design with the original designers, they saved Jaguar. The company is again healthy, and they've made some wonderful cars ever since. I actually got to sit in the very first one that came off the production line. You see what it is? You see how important it is that we know the original designer because we can slap it with all of these fixes and, and all of this stuff that we make up when we want to be the creator and we say, hey, God, you know, I know what you did here. I got this. Don't worry. Well, we have to know the original design. So I told you we're going to practice a little bit this morning. And uh, as we pray, I want to give us a couple opportunities to respond. And you know, there is nothing like standing as your response to what, what Elohim, what God, what the Holy Spirit is saying in your ear. It, it, it says, I'm, I'm listening. I want to do this with you, God. I'm going to commit. I'm going to do my part. So all I ask you to do is listen and, and try to obey. So this morning, we're going to have an opportunity. If you don't know 
Elohim, if you don't know, if this is all new to you this morning, you're like, wow, I knew God created the world. That's, you know, little kids know that. But if you don't know him this morning, I want to give you a chance as we're praying to, to get to know him through Jesus. And this morning, maybe you do already know him. And you're like, yeah, I, I know him. And believe me, that's part of the problem. I lost my purpose. I can't seem to find my purpose anywhere. So let's pray, shall we? We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.